0: Good day, everyone, and welcome to Wealth Radio, Growing Wealth Made Easy. My name is Jolo Sison, and you're listening to Investment Insights. In this program, we feature exclusive interviews with financial experts and industry champions so you, our listeners, can gain insights to help you in making important decisions, especially when it comes to your investments. For this Maiden episode, I am so excited to be discussing new innovative funds that pertain to two of the most relevant and promising sectors today, technology and healthcare. Launched by BPI Asset Management and Trust Corporation in February, these are the BPI Invest World Technology Feeder Fund and the BPI Invest Global Healthcare Feeder Fund. For those who are not familiar with what a feeder fund is, let me try to explain it to you in simple terms. A feeder fund is a type of unit investment trust fund, or UITF, that invests in a single fund, also called a target fund, instead of investing in various direct securities. The target fund of BPI Invest World Technology Feeder Fund is the BlackRock World Technology Fund which aims to achieve long-term capital growth by investing in stocks with predominant activity in the technology sector. For BPI Invest Global Healthcare Feeder Fund, which is also a global equity UITF, its target fund is the Wellington Global Healthcare Equity Fund, which aims to achieve long-term capital growth by investing in stocks in the healthcare sector. These two new funds are for aggressive investors with a minimum subscription amount of just 1,000 US dollars. During our launch held via a webinar, we were privileged to be joined not just by one but two industry experts who gave us a very informative walkthrough about these new funds. And today, we are going to hear highlights from that webinar. So stay tuned as we present to you our esteemed speakers, Mr. Ben Bay, BlackRock's Global Emerging Markets Equity Director and Product Strategist, and Mr. Sashi Nambiar, Managing Director and Head of Global Wealth Management, Asia of Wellington Management, Singapore. The webinar was moderated by Mr. Alan D., Vice President and Head of Investment Solutions of BPI-AMTC. Let's learn more about these two new funds as we listen in to their discussion. Ben,
1: let's start with you. Uh, What makes the technology sector attractive? We hear a lot of concern from clients about prices being too high, about valuations being too high, and that causes them to be a bit more uncertain uh, as to coming into the tech sector. Um, are are the current prices warranted for the tech sector? Uh, and what do you think about it?
2: Yep, sure. Um, that is a very good question. Uh, if you look at the, the recent performance of the technology sector versus over a broad equity market, it is, you can see actually uh, technology sector uh, significantly outperformed the broader market in past one year, three year, five year, or even 10 year horizon. So actually the strong performance actually attracted a lot of uh, investors' uh, traction and attention to this sector. So if you look at the, the weight of the IT sector in the overall um, equity index, it has been now almost like one-fourth of the equity index. Uh, the weight will go to IT sector compared to like 15 years ago, it was like only 6%. So actually a strong performance has been on there and actually that attracted a lot of uh, investors' attentions. The largest concern held by a lot of investors as of now that is a uh, valuation. We have to say we have to consider both sides of the of the company, uh, the fundamentals and the and valuation. Of course, we have to admit that compared to the past and some of the peer group sectors, then a technology is relatively more expensive in terms of like the PE or PB, those traditional uh, methodology we use for value evaluating a, a company. But there are some um, things I like to highlight. One is on the growth, even in 2020, that is actually a pandemic year. The technology sector revenue growth is still actually double digit. and therefore the small and mid-caps actually reach about almost like 20 percent growth which is very very strong fundamental uh, growth even in this kind of pandemic uh, situation and uh, on the other side on the left hand side it is just uh, about some of the key um, fundamental highlights as well to the tech sector for example the leverage ratio uh, technology sector is the least leveraged um, sector among all the gig sector uh, in our equity index, which actually you have been here, of a lot of, of companies sitting a tons of cash in their balance sheet, etc. That actually was brought by the very strong cash flow and the cash generation capabilities for those tech companies, which also a support to the valuations. And uh, the other thing is, as I have just mentioned, the model of the technology companies have been changed. Uh, 10, 20 years ago, they were actually regarded as a cyclical company, um, because actually, uh, for example, a company selling like uh, laptops and uh, computers, then actually they actually sell a batch of computers and that will be with their customers for a couple of years and they'll be wait for another cycles for replacement or upgrade of that batch of computers. But that is very cyclical. Uh, but as of now, we, we can say that uh, more and more we can see the staple nature of the technology in our daily life. So can imagine that as an individual how much time we spend on the screen time it is actually the use of our smartphone or other devices, but also a lot of apps and the internet companies will be involved. So there are some studies that showing that uh, more people are willing to sacrifice their shower time or reduce their shower time, rather than to reduce their uh, screen time on the daily, daily life. So that it actually um, technology is becoming more and more like a necessity in our daily life and also to corporate as well. That actually, That will actually support a uh, higher valuation for technology as well. So we, in our view, we need to consider both the fundamentals, trend, and also the kind of valuation as well. All right, thanks, Ben. Um, Sashi, very similar
1: question. Um, you know, healthcare stocks have done very well recently, um, especially since that since we came, we are in a health pandemic, making the sector more in the spotlight, so to speak. Um, with the vaccine finally coming out. Uh, An economy slowly opening up. Do you foresee this momentum continuing even after the
3: pandemic? Uh, thanks a lot, Alan. That's, <laughs> I think that's a great question. If you were to look at a year like twenty twenty, and then you you sort of try and contrast the performance of the healthcare sector vis a vis what Ben just spoke about the technology sector, for instance, actually the healthcare sector didn't do as well overall as a sector. While the tech sector was up almost about 50 percentage in 2020, healthcare sector, the se- sector per se was up about 14-ish percentage. Obviously, you know as our strategy, we outperformed it uh, significantly, uh, but the sector per se did not really get uh, the benefit of uh, you know what, what happened in 2020. Uh, even if you look at it compared to the broader markets, we actually saw that it, it, it sort of underperformed the broader, broader market. So it didn't catch up as much as the rest of the sectors did in 2020. We look at the historical valuation of the sector relative to the MSC all country world. It's always traded at a premium. But uh, for the first time in a long, long time, it's actually quoting at a discount. So clearly, from a valuation perspective, it looks pretty attractive. It's not done as much as most of the other sectors in 2020. The other thing is that's, that's of course, purely on the valuation side or the technical side. But if you want to look at what's what's, what's going to be driving healthcare, and I think we are most excited about the innovation and the long term trends for the sector. Uh, you know, some of the areas we're most excited about, and I think one of the biggest areas is this whole thing about innovation, uh, innovation and sort of coming out with new treatments. So even in, in, a, in, a, in a sort of a pandemic-stricken year like 2020, there were 53 new drugs which were approved by the FDA. It just shows the amount of innovation, the amount of work that's been happening in the research and development labs Of these companies which we believe uh, you know sort of augur very well for not just the healthcare sector as well uh, but also for people in general because you know it means that you you actually have uh, access to some uh, breakthrough medicines 27% of the new you know sort of treatments which were uh, which were uh, you know sort of which came out of the last few years were breakthrough treatments which means they never existed one before and this is for the first time uh, you're beginning to see that so there's clearly valuations which are a favorable tailwind and two and more importantly we're seeing innovation uh, driving the sector so we're most excited about the longer-term trends for the sector and as ben said if people are spending more time in front of a screen instead of uh, the shower it automatically means there's possibly need for more healthcare going forward as well. So let's talk
1: about, um, you know, how a fund manager picks and selects the companies in the portfolio. Let's start with Sashi. Um, how does Wellington, you know, evaluate all these themes? Obviously, there's a lot of themes um, to choose from in your sector. There's a lot of very interesting innovations. Um, how do you decide? as a firm on what stocks to put in your portfolio.
3: Thanks, Alan. So what I'll try and do is talk about our process in two steps. One, of course, is talking about the team. So the healthcare team at uh, Wellington, we manage globally uh, around close to $80 billion worth of assets only in the healthcare sector. So, uh, and we have 14 specialists. And as you rightly said, each one of them requires some kind of expertise in each of those individual areas so there are specialists who focus on just the biotech space specialists who focus just on the medical technology space just the healthcare space so that's the first part of it making sure that the team understands the science understands uh, the molecules that that uh, these companies are working on. The second part of what we try and do is it's completely a bottom-up stock selection uh, process. So each of the specialists spend a lot of time uh, analyzing each of the companies, trying to identify what are they working on, what is the research and development team uh, working on, what are the molecules they're working on, and what's the pathway for those molecules or those solutions. Whether so, given the you know sort of the scientific background of uh, the team, they're able to understand whether. Uh, you know the science, or the or the molecules, or the pathway that the companies are working on has a probability of success or not. The team spends a lot of time analyzing what the company is focusing on, other than just looking at the financials. Where you tend to be more, uh, you know, sort of myopic in your approach, where you look at quarter on quarter. What well, the team spends a lot more time on is trying to look at what are the longer term plans, as well as uh, research and development spend and areas of focus. Uh, the team also spends a lot of time away from uh, you know sort of analyst meetings actually spend time at uh, you know medical uh, seminars or medical meetings because there you get to understand what's the latest which is happening in the medical field because that then gives you a a cue so we start tracking companies very early in the cycle beat you know even even if they're private we just start tracking them because we know that some point of time these companies could actually be uh, could go public and then of course what we then do is also look at the macro factors to give you an example some of the healthcare com- services companies uh, last year looked really attractive, but then we also realized there's going to be headwinds for the sector because purely people would just postpone the need to go to a hospital because of the COVID situation. So we realized that there's going to be headwinds for the sector. So we, we sort of scaled down uh, on some of our allocations there. So just making sort of being aware of you know, macro headwinds or tailwinds uh, is, is is important. And then the last part is making sure that we get the position and sizing right. So if it's a new company, it's at the early stages, we start off at smaller positions because, you know, we just want to make sure that at, at each milestone that we get, as we get comfortable, we sort of try and uh, build out. Uh, So what we try and do in building out the portfolio is make sure that we're not benchmark-hugging. So we're just not looking at the benchmark and then saying, okay, what companies do we owe it, Mm. automate? We either like a company or we don't like a company. If we don't like a company, even if it's in the benchmark, we would not own it. And if we like a company, even if it's not in the benchmark, we would continue to own it. So the focus is on active fund management, trying to make sure we pick up the winners and avoid uh, the luxes across all of the subsectors that we spoke about, be it healthcare services, biopharma, or medical technology.
1: Um, ben, very same, same question. Um, how does BlackRock identify the companies that are likely to do better than the others?
2: And how do you manage those risks in your portfolio? Uh, in BlackRock, we actually, first of all, we uh, when we go into an uh, uh, industry, like we see a lot of subsectors and sub-industries for a particular technology uh, sub-area. For example, we have shown that uh, data here about software, then actually, we do a very deep dive into which actually kind of industry uh, sub industry uh, that company will be in because for each different sub areas of a technology that will be very, very different in terms of key majors we look into. and uh, we actually do a lot of like bottom up fundamental research on um, to do the analysis to to the fundamentals of that particular company. But I have to say that um, to identifying to identify in the sub industry, which sub-industry we like, is very, very important because even within this like software companies, there actually could be one or two sub-industry or see the exponential higher growth than others in a particular uh, couple of years. We also actually put a lot of attention and focus to the, the life cycle of the, of the company, um, because for technology, we can see it is a very visible uh, investment life cycle for technology companies. Uh, we actually identify four stages, and uh, our strategy focus more on the, the middle two that is the hyper growth stage and the GARP that is growth at a reasonable uh, price um, then investors will wonder what which companies actually are in the, in the in the middle two uh, stages uh, we actually identified the different uh in sub industries in the in the tech uh, into the four stages um, here actually we can see in the hyper growth stage for uh, for, for example for the 5G, etc., will be actually we identified as, um, as as a early, uh, hyper growth stage for the e-commerce and the payments and the online gaming. That's actually our view has been in the in the GARP stage. Uh, so actually, we will try to focus on the different industries based on their technology uh, maturity and the company's market share, etc. And then uh, how we actually manage the risks that is actually about a diversification. We actually hold uh, over 100 stocks in, in our portfolios, which actually is about a double of the size of a majority of our peers on the street. Uh, and uh, we actually control the sizing about our, our, some of our co-holdings too, like uh, um, mid, uh, low to uh, mid single digits, that actually have been significantly less compared to our benchmark. We actually believe that diversification is very important for, for tech investment at, at this stage. First of all, we want to reduce our reliance of uh, our, some co-holdings. Um, because one is actually uh, there are the regulatory risk to those mega caps and the large caps in the uh, in the world, and they may be targeted by regulators. Then actually we want to uh, um, be avoided to concentrate it to to those mega caps. On the other side, we actually see a lot of good opportunities in the mid and the small caps in the in the tech universe. So actually we want to generate our performance from some of the like uh, less focused uh, companies um, by other investors. So actually the diversification is very important, and it is our key risk control um uh, measure we approach in our portfolio construction site
1: all right thank you ben um, so sashi ben um you know this has been a very informative session as always we appreciate your insights uh and views um as we close this session uh are there any final words that you would like to share for investors or prospective investors um, those who are considering tech or, or are quite unsure about tech and
2: healthcare, um, what would you say to them? Um, let's start with Ben. Um. Yeah, uh, actually, um, one thing I'd I'll, um, I'll like to highlight at, at lab, my last sentence here, that is about the, the disruptive uh, nature of the, of the technology. We actually did some analysis here that is uh, in past like 30 years, we can see the leadership uh, ranked by the market cap of the technology companies changed a lot from decade to decade. So every 10 years, more than half of the previous leaders will be replaced by the newcomers for the technology. So even now, now we, are, uh, we think about the mega caps the market leaders like the FANG in the US or BAT in, the, uh, in China, they're actually a pretty new company uh, compared to some uh, traditional sectors. Those leaders have been there for maybe a hundred years. But for technology, they are actually actually the a young sector with a lot of young companies. And actually, uh, in our view, is sitting in those mega caps, and today's leaders will not be a good uh, investment approach for tech, because there will be some new companies to replace them. There'll be new technology to come out to replace the existing technology in the the future. So actually, we need to um, aim to find the future opportunities and find the tomorrow's winners in this space. So that is actually one of our philosophy, we believe, for tech investment, to find tomorrow's winners. So that actually we put into a lot of focus and the research capacity into like small and, and emerging tech companies and to, to explore the opportunities there. Sashi?
3: Yeah, I think um, as we highlighted earlier, I, I'll leave you with a few thoughts. One, I think again, Alan, you touched on it. Uh, we believe this space is, is, offers very attractive opportunities across all the three sub-segments we spoke about, be it biopharma, be it medical technology or healthcare services but it requires specialization it requires expertise and which is where you know we could we could we as 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 an asset manager can add value second we touched on the fact that from a valuation perspective it looks attractively priced relative to many other subsectors this, that's that's a second message that i that i would uh, leave you with the third is the fact that uh, you know, this is a sector you always want to have some allocation to because if irrespective of what happens to the world, if there's a global recession or otherwise, healthcare is something which ev- each one of us at some point of our time in our lives would always need. And as the world's population sort of ages, the healthcare costs keep going up. So automatically uh, more access to, uh, to healthcare. And again, uh, you know, Ben touched on it a little earlier, our lifestyle has changed, uh, you know. With COVID, you're spending more time uh, sitting at your desk, uh, uh, and as as it's been highlighted, you're spending more time looking at a screen and more a lesser time in a, in a in a shower. Both of which are not good for your overall health. So again, there's going to be a lot more demand for uh, healthcare service, uh, uh, you know, sort of healthcare related, uh, 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 you know, sort of services uh, going forward as well. So we we still believe the sector has very good long-term prospects with all the innovation that's going on.
0: All right, and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I would like to inform our listeners that the BPI Invest World Technology Feeder Fund and the BPI Invest Global Healthcare Feeder Fund are now available through BPI AMTC. You may book directly at our head office in BPI Buendia Center, or inquire about the funds by calling us at 8580-2682 or even by sending us an email at bpi underscore asset underscore management at bpi.com.ph You may also visit our website at bpiassetmanagement.com Again, my name is Jolo Season and please watch out for the next episode of Investment Insights. Thanks for listening to Wealth Radio. Growing wealth made easy. BPI Asset Management and Trust Corporation is regulated by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas.